Welcome in to the 48 Minutes Podcast on Belief, presented by Bet Online. I'm Ross Geiger, joined alongside my co-host, World B, Michael Freer. And this is episode number 47, the AK-47 episode. That's right, Andre Kirilenko, the former jazz forward that I was a huge fan of back in the 2000s. Of course, Sean Marion was my clear-cut number one versatile forward, but AK-47 was right behind him in my rankings. And uh, an easy money same-game parlay world before Kirilenko would have been 14 points, five rebounds, one steal, and a block. And uh, speaking of bets, Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs from basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, golf to UFC and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get in on the action today, so head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEF, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And we'll be tonight, we're going to start with you for our opening tip. Oh, Thank you, Ross. It was reported this week that former 76ers head coach Doc Rivers has emerged as a finalist for the head coach opening with the Phoenix Suns. While hiring Rivers would certainly be a headline grabber in the NBA circles, it's hard to see how such a move would put the Suns any closer to a championship than they were when Monty Williams was let go following this season. Rivers, who somehow made the list of top 15 coaches in NBA history at last year's 75th anniversary celebration, has a better than decent coaching resume. He has a winning record in 21 of his 24 seasons, leading all four teams he coached, the Magic, Celtics, Clippers, and 76ers, to the playoffs, and he has an NBA championship to his resume back in 2008. But he is also one whose coaching career has been defined by disappointment and a failure to live up to expectations. Just a few weeks ago, 76ers enjoyed a 3-2 series lead over the Celtics with Game 6 in Philadelphia and a chance to close it out, and we all know how that turned out. In 2020, his Clippers lost a 3-1 series lead to the Nuggets. In 2016, it was a 2-0 series lead that the Clippers lost to the Blazers. And in 2015, the Clippers led another 3-1 series lead getaway versus the Rockets. In all, in his last 10 games, with a chance to lead his team to the conference finals, Rivers' teams are 0-10. Doc Rivers is a good coach. He would certainly take the Suns to a playoff uh, berth if he were to become their next coach. But you really have to ask yourself at this stage, the Suns are not are not a playoff team anymore. They're a championship team. And is Doc Rivers the one that's really going to lead you there? Yeah, I think that's a great question there will be. But I do got to warn you, you got to be careful. You're talking about Doc Rivers, a Marquette guy. So uh, maybe this is you getting back at me for my uh, – Backlash on Missoula, the last episode for my opening tip. But uh well, you know, I think Nick. Matt... he's a former yeah, Nick he too, a former... by the way. So I, I have yeah. I have some affection for him as a player, and I you know, I he's a good coach. I don't think yeah. he's a championship coach. Yeah, I think this one really comes down to Matt Ishbia kind of wanting to hire his own guy, someone he trusts, someone he put in that position. I think that's more so what it came down to, not having a on the court uh leader that was under the old regime, uh, so to say, but uh, definitely uh, raised some good concerns there for Phoenix Suns fans as, as far as Doc Rivers is concerned. As for my opening tip, it kind of goes right along the same lines as yours, as most teams with coaching vacancies have narrowed their candidates down to the final three with an additional round of interviews with team owners, front office executives, and in some cases, key, key players on, on their current roster. With Memorial Day weekend here upon us, I'd expect to see one, if not multiple, coaching hires made official by the time you all hear us on our next episode on Tuesday. The draft is now less than a month away. Teams got to get a move on with who they plan 
on having lead their rosters on the hardwood next season. And additionally, they need their head coach to have some time to go out and fill fill out those coaching staffs that are certainly going to be used once these guys are drafted and they put together summer league rosters. So uh, just some things to keep in mind there as uh, we're just weeks away from summer league as well. I can't, you know, I can't wait to see what each team decides to do as far as uh, who they're selecting to, to lead their teams. And uh, at this point, I'm just kind of more curious who's going to be that team that breaks the ice and makes the first initial signing uh, of, of a new head coach. And uh, then of course we'll have, even more to discuss here on the 48 Minutes Podcast where we'll be. So uh, should be a lot of fun. But as for tonight, we've got plenty to discuss as well. So let's go ahead and get started with our first quarter. And that is a Game 5 recap with reaction as the Boston Celtics stay alive, winning 110-97 on their home floor. And now the pressure builds for the Miami Heat to go ahead and close this series out at home in game six, what were your big takeaways having just watched game five? Uh, my biggest takeaway was I was very impressed with the energy that the Celtics showed right from the start. Uh, we've talked about throughout this postseason how one of the big things about Miami, what were the most impressive things was how well they how much energy they had they seemed to have in each matchup, how they seemed to have way more than their opponents be it the Bucks, be it the, the uh, Knicks, or now the Celtics. They they always seem to be the team with more energy, team that came up with all the loose balls, the team that came up with deflections, you know, whatever. They seem to be that team that fed off that, and other teams couldn't match that. Well, tonight was the Celtics right from the start. They The crowd yeah. was into it. They were into it. And you could see, I mean, th- there was a lot more energy, I felt, from Boston right from the get-go than what I saw in Phoenix or I'm sorry, with Miami, and now the pressure switches. I, I I don't know if the pressure switches necessarily completely to the Miami Heat, but a lot of it has, has certainly fallen on them because the Celtics are still behind and need to win in Miami. You know, Miami needs one win out of these next two games, and now they lose game six. Now that Now everything switches. But I don't know if it necessarily it's completely flipped over in terms of pressure to the Miami side. But it's certainly a, they got a lot riding on this game coming up. That's for sure. Saturday night. Yeah, they definitely do. And you know the thing with this series that is concerning for Miami Heat fans is the fact that the Boston Celtics were in this position just last year. Of course, the Celtics found themselves down against the Milwaukee Bucks and had to go into Milwaukee in a Game Six environment to win that one, to force a game seven back home, in which they won both of those two games. So this crew here in the Celtics has been through this before. Obviously, as we saw here tonight, they are starting to gain more momentum and confidence. And with that comes energy as well. And uh, Miami never held a lead in this entire game tonight. So that that should tell you something right there. I mean, the the Celtics had the lead. Yeah, and... To your point, what you were just saying about last year when they faced the Bucs and had to win in Milwaukee, well, the Celtics were in this position one round ago against the 76ers, down three games to two in Philly with Philadelphia a chance to close it out. They couldn't get it done, and game seven turned out to be a blowout for for Boston. So you're right. This is a team that's been in this spot, and they're starting to, the last two games, getting back to Boston Celtic basketball. What does that mean? That means a lot of threes and a lot of making a lot of threes it wasn't just you know you can take them but you better make them and they have these last two games certainly did tonight yeah absolutely and uh for Miami one big note here that I I recognize in this one is the fact that you know the Miami Heat have scored 111 points or more in the games they've won in this series versus the Celtics they've fallen short of the century mark in each game they've lost so not only is Boston starting to shoot the ball better, score better, but they're also playing better defense. And Miami's really got to figure out who's going to help with the scoring load because they certainly uh, didn't have tonight, as you mentioned. Jimmy Butler, 14 points. That's just not going to get it done, especially after uh, you know the season he has had throughout the playoff run. Bam Adebayo actually uh, led all starters with 16 points, and they're their high man came off the bench and Duncan Robinson with 18. So, I mean, that's just not going to cut it 
against most playoff teams. Nonetheless, the Boston Celtics here in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, uh, mistakes were a problem for them tonight. Uh, 16 turnovers led to 27 uh, Boston points. That's that's really uh, a tremendous <laughs> points off turnovers for for Boston. And, you know, they shot over, you know, Miami shot over 50% this game. They actually technically shot better, 51% to uh, Boston shooting just under 51% for the game. But you just can't have that many turnovers, that many failed possessions, and have it turn into uh, points. You know, they got outscored by eight points in the uh, points off turnover category, which isn't a whole lot to be outscored by. But, you know, you give up 27 points. Uh, second straight game, by the way, that they've allowed. Uh, no, I take that back. That's not true. Um, these, yeah, I'm sorry, it is true. 27 points they gave up uh, in game four. So this is two games in a row. 54 points they've given up in uh, points off turnovers to the Celtics. That's just it's hard to win games like that when you give away uh, possessions and they turn into points at the other end. Yep, absolutely. So I'm looking forward to seeing what. Eric Spolstra has left in his bag of tricks here as, you know, not only on the pressure towards the players, but, you know, he's kind of in a tough spot here trying to strategize how he can maybe throw the Celtics off their game or kind of uh, stunt some of this momentum that they're picking up here. So really looking forward to see if he makes any type of adjustments that uh, are quite obvious to us watching the game or maybe even just looking at the, uh, the box score. One that we saw tonight actually came uh, with Hayward Highsmith, he played 36 minutes, which led all uh, bench players for the Heat. 15 points, 6 of 9 shooting, 3 of 4 from 3. I mean, that's definitely a look we haven't seen all playoffs long. So there was one curveball he threw out there as far as a game plan is concerned. But, you know, hopefully... Well, he he had ahead. to play him. He had to play him tonight a lot of minutes because they were without Gabe Vincent. So that just messed sure. up their rotation. Kyle Lowry got the start, and we talked about before we went on here, he expected a little more than five points and four turnovers from Kyle Lowry in this game. And that that did not help. The two, you know, the two starting guards for Miami, Struss and Lowry, combined for eight points. The two starting guards for Boston, Marcus Smart and Derek White, uh combined for 47. So when yep. you get outscored by almost 40 points from your starting backcourt, it's tough to overcome from everybody else, like you say. So, yeah, he got, he got a lot of time, and he did fine in, the, in that time. And probably no matter what the status of Gabe Vincent for game six, probably deserves to be in the rotation off the bench. But that was part of the reason why he played so much is just they needed they needed another guy off the bench. They needed more you know players. Yeah, absolutely. And how about Duncan Robinson? I mean, nine assists in this one uh, to go along with his uh, team-high 18 points. I mean, couldn't have expected that one coming for uh, Duncan Robinson to have nine, nine assists. People people don't realize, and I've mentioned this about Miami Heat throughout these playoffs, how their performance against the Bucks, and then later in this series right now was so unlike the Celtics because of how they played during the regular season. I mentioned to, you know, how poorly they were on offense. It's it just what they were bottom 10 in efficiency, bottom 10 in shooting from uh, effective field goal percentage and from three. They were just bad. There's just no other way around it. Yeah. And they've exceeded, they've totally turned that around in this series with the exception of the Knicks series when they didn't really shoot that well and still pulled it out. But Duncan Robbins is a prime example of this too. He was terrible during the season and he'd been regressing since that uh, season when they made the finals in 2020, his last two seasons had not been good. Um, and he just hadn't been, wasn't part of the rotation really. And now in the postseason, he's looked tremendous. And so every game, it's getting to the point that this is the Robinson we saw for as a starter, when he was a part of their starting rotation for years. And it just wasn't, that isn't how he played throughout this uh season so it was a surprise to see him early on now it's getting to the point where it's not a surprise you you kind of expect it and the Miami Heat expect it and it's one of the big reasons why they're you know, they remain a win away from the finals yeah and a game like this uh watching this seeing Duncan Robinson have a performance like this is one of those games where you go ah I kind of see a flash of why they maybe paid this guy 90 million dollars 
uh, when he was a, a free agent. Absolutely. So, yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. It was, I um, mean, he, he's done it in every series. He did against the, the Knicks in key moments. Uh, he did it against the Bucks, and he's he's doing it here, even you know, despite the loss today. Uh, it's it's no fault fault of his. I mean, there's a reason they were shooting almost fifty percent before uh, before Game Four from you know for the uh, for the postseason or for the series. It's you know he was one of the reasons, and he's one of the reasons why they're in this spot. He's having a tremendous run right now, and. If they get to the finals, like I said, they're still one win away at home now. If they get to the finals, he's going to be a key part of their their rotation going forward. He's going to be somebody, when we break down the series, he's part of that bench that they absolutely need. And they let's face it, that, that bench has been really great for this postseason because you know, a guy like Kevin Love has been starting, but he's only playing about – he played less than 15 minutes today, only 14 minutes. So he's basically just – they got somebody else coming off the bench and doing the majority of the work. And Duncan Robinson, one of those guys. Yeah. No, the, I mean, the Miami Heat bench has been outstanding. I feel like every game throughout the playoffs, someone sprouted up off that bench and put in a surprise performance. I mean, they get surprises from Kevin Love one game. They've gotten a few from Kyle Lowry. Today they get one from Highsmith, Duncan Robinson. I mean – they just got to get more from their starters. And uh, obviously, uh, it wasn't the usual starting group, as we already discussed, with uh, Gabe Vincent being out in this one. I think that affected the defense as well. As you look yep. at the flip side of that in Boston, Derek White had an exceptional night, th- 24 points. Marcus Smart, those were their top two scorers, were their two two guards. So obviously being down both Vincent and Hero, uh, you know, the, the, the heat defense and disruption on those Celtics guards – you know, definitely paid a price, but uh, you know, hopefully after after another couple of days rest, Vincent can be back out there to provide a spark. And if not, at least some of these guys like Highsmith got a rep in tonight and, and got got to build some confidence. You're absolutely right about his defense. It's made a huge difference uh, for them in every game in every series. He's been a huge difference maker. I mean, look at in the first three games that the Celtics lost, they shot less than thirty percent from three. And in the last two games, it's been 40% combined. They had 31 threes in their first three games. They've had 34 in their last two. This is the Celtics' brand of basketball. Take a lot of threes and make a lot of threes. That's how they've been doing it all season. We mentioned before, they're one of the top two. They're in the top two behind the Warriors, I think, or the Mavericks in percentage of field goal attempts that are threes. And they're one of the top two or three teams in percentage of their points that come from threes. We hadn't seen that the first three games of the series. We're seeing it now. And you're right. Gabe Vincent being back probably makes a huge difference in terms of correcting that or mixing that up or, or disrupting that, I should say. Uh, so I agree with you. That, that That's a uh, – who would have thought we would be discussing Gabe Vincent as a – as a key loss for the for the right. Miami Heat. No, I'm sorry it doesn't, if it sounds disrespectful, but I mean, who who saw that coming outside of uh, you know the members on the Heat roster and the front and the coaching staff? But it is a it's looking like a key loss for them. Yep. Now, for entertainment purposes here, before we move on to the second quarter, Game Six, who you got, Celtics or Heat? Uh, I think Miami's going to close it out. I think. Okay. Uh, I think if, if Gabe if Vincent comes back and they're at full strength, I'll say this though, they better shoot. You know, they better shoot. And they better get back to what they're doing, uh, offensively and defensively, because Boston, you know, Boston will be ready. They they have the momentum. Momentum we've talked about before. They were in this spot one series ago, just a few weeks, and be the team record wise was better than Miami. So they have that experience. They have the championship experience, but. Uh, I think that crowd's going to be ready to go in uh, Miami game six. I think you'll see Jimmy Butler being more of a factor. Uh, he's going to have to be. You, you got to get more than 10 yeah. shots. Uh, I know it was a blowout. So I know he didn't, you know, but he played 34 minutes uh, and he got 10 shots. That's just not going to, it's not going to cut it if you want to win the game. No. You're, he's your best player. He's arguably the best player in this postseason uh, and for any team. And you need more than him. You need that. Maybe you need that forty-point effort that you got, um, or you know, the, you know, the superhuman effort you got against the Bucks 
when they count. Yep. But you need a you need that big performance. But I think being at home, that crowd ready to go, Miami's not or Boston's not going to have the luxury of a raucous crowd like there was tonight from the get go. Now, uh, come back and you know talk to me after Game Six, and we'll see what you know if there is a Game Seven because my choice will most certainly flip at that point. But I like uh, yeah. I think Miami closes it out. Okay, well, I I think this is great because I think that Boston Celtics are going to win Game Six and force a Game Seven back on their home floor. I think they're just picking up way too much momentum here. They're starting to find their stride and uh, going back to the fact that they do have very good experience winning winner go home game sixes. Uh, I think they'll find a way to do it yet again in the Eastern Conference Finals in Miami. Uh, this Wait weekend. a minute! I thought I mean, Eric Spolter, the genius Eric Spolter, is not going to figure out a way to to combat this momentum for the Celtics. He, I mean, he's not going to make some great coaching move and stuff like that, or the, you know, or we just—it's uh, only Joe Missoula that has to come up with all these great uh, <laughs> uh, coaching moves. It, it, Eric Spolter doesn't get to to come up with these uh, uh, adjustments. Only only Joe Missoula is expected to come up with adjustments. Is that how it works there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Coach Bo has left in the magic bag, but I don't know what else, what kind of tricks are, are left. I mean, Highsmith played tonight. I mean, I don't know, you know, who else uh, he could really turn to at this point. So, yeah, I'm riding with your guy, Joe. I thought you'd be happy that, uh, you know, I, I got some trust in Joe Missoula. Keeps his job for another day. For seven. Yeah, job exactly. for one more game. Huh? Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and get into our second quarter here. And uh, let's have a quick conversation here about the Denver Nuggets. Uh, of course, we'll be, they are kind of just hanging out at home right now, getting a full week of rest to recover and prepare for the finals. Obviously not sure who they're playing yet, but it's got to be beneficial that they're all at home being able to watch these games and go ahead and evaluate what's happening in, 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 the, in this series. But, uh, you know, as what I really want to ask you is, you know, if you were a Nuggets fan, you know, as much as you enjoyed this sweep, would you be concerned with having this amount of time off? Or do you still think this is just a huge positive uh, having this series dragged out? Uh, I think it, I think it can uh, – I'll be very interested to see how they come out in game one uh, a week from now. So, yeah, yeah. I, think there, I think there's reason to be concerned about it. I absolutely do. Um, it's the longest layoff they've had probably longer than the all-star break. All-star break goes sure. about a week or so, and this is going to yeah. be even longer. So there, there's reason to be uh, concerned about because what, what can you do at this point? You can, you know, you're not scrimmaging very hard. And no. if you do, you certainly don't want to take that risk and, and everything. Uh, rest helps. Obviously rest is a big deal, but this long of a layoff, yeah, there's reason to be concerned. Yeah, I mean, they had all the momentum uh, having won, as we said, four close games against the Lakers who really tested them at times throughout that series. And, uh, you know, winning those tough, tightly contested games, executing down the stretch when you needed to, kind of have everything clicking on all cylinders for you. And now it's like, let's just pause it for a little bit and then try to pick back up right where we left off a week later, easier said than done. So I, I think the rest with this team is big. I mean, obviously, Jamal Murray has had some injury concerns. Michael Porter definitely has some concerns with his back. And then, yep. you know, the Joker's been logging heavy minutes, and, and he's a big dude. So uh, I think all of that is beneficial. But at the same time, just as far as that momentum's concerned, you know, it it is something that, you know, I would – I would question whether or not they will have that same mojo that they left off with in game four against the Lakers. And the problem is they're not a, a great defensive team. They're better. They're better than they had been in the beginning of the year, but their, their game is offense. Their game is yep. efficiency on offense. They're one of the, they're one of the top teams uh, in offensive efficiency. They're one of the best shooting teams in the league. So now that's, that's where you wonder, hey, are they, have they lost their shooting touch in a game or whatever? I don't think it would bother them. I don't think it's a situation that's going to bother them the entire series. You're not going to lose the series because you had too long a layup. Maybe it cost you a game one. Maybe. I have no idea. But I don't think it's going – and even, and by the way, even still, 
here's the other thing. If game seven would be for the Eastern Conference would be Monday, correct? If uh if there is a game seven yeah. Saturday, is game yep. six, Monday we game seven. So they would still have three days off before the NBA final too. So that team's gonna have a decent amount of rest too, whoever if they get to seven games or whatever. Um that's that's where the concern for Denver is, is on the offensive end where they have made a living this whole season. They've been the best team offensively, one of, uh, along with, say, Sacramento, all season. And that's where you worry about, you know, if they will lose some of that. Because they were dominating on offense against the Lakers uh, in the postseason. They they absolutely – their efficiency was absolutely tremendous in the in the four games. I mean, they, they had one game where it was a little dicey where they only had about 106 points per 100 possessions. Every The other three games, at least 120 points per 100 possessions. That's a tremendous uh, efficiency on offense for them. So that's where my concern would be come a week from today, a week from Thursday, excuse me, uh, where they would where their offensive game will be. But at the same time, right, you know, they're pros. You you've been there. You've seen teams that have a long layoff yeah. after the All Star break. Some can not everybody struggles out of the gate after the All Star. Somebody's got to come out and uh, have some uh, success. So uh, I also don't think the Nuggets would prefer to have the series with the Lakers extended a couple of games just to minimize yeah, no. the rest. They no. they they played, which was impressive. We both agreed that was an impressive thing to do to come out the way they did and put it. Uh, come back against the Lakers down 15 at the half in game four and come back at a huge third quarter with 36, 16. And they played, you know, they played like they wanted the series to end. So, you know, they, they can't complain if they, if they come out flat in game one, well, you, you know, you, you played like you wanted that long layoff. So um, I think it is a problem. I don't know if it will be, but I, I'd be concerned. Yeah. And of course you can't play with fire when LeBron James is on the other end and be like, ah, oh, we'll get the next game. Oh, we'll get the next game. Like, exactly. Now nah, what's, can't look do what's that. happening in the East. You don't take games yeah. off. You know? Not that Miami's taking games off, not that they took off right. game four or anything like that, but you certainly don't want to be in this position where, geez, now games, you know, it's starting to creep in. So now we have to win game six because, you know, yep. we don't, now we got to go back to Boston. So, um, so you, you certainly don't want to be in that position. Absolutely. And so for entertainment purposes, I got more uh, predictions that need to be made here. World B. And since we don't have a series out West, this is uh, the best I could come up with. It's well, Mike, Mike, will Michael Malone have his voice fully back by the start of game one. With this <laughs> if there was one, if there was one person on that bench that needed, needed to rest, yeah. it would probably be coach Malone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I suspect he'll he'll be back. I I honestly cannot see a whole lot of reason over the next uh, week to ten <laughs> days as to why he would have to raise his voice inside the Pepsi Center there. So I would hope he would be just fine for uh, for Game One, and he, I I really hope it is because his sound bites have been my favorite of this oh. postseason. I'm not a, I'm yeah. not a fan of the whole sound bite thing, and just, I mean I don't care if they do it, and I I just. I rarely hear anything of note, like the halftime right. interviews. I mean, I really, you know, what did we get in game four? We got Tristan Thompson. I mean, there's I mean, really that was classic. Very, that, it, it was classic for unintentional <laughs> comedy purposes. It was tremendous. Yeah. But um, from a relevant, you know, relevancy standpoint, it was minimal. But Mike, Michael Malone on in those huddles, imploring his team for more energy, more deal, has been tremendous. I've loved it. So I really hope he gets his voice back for that alone. For sure. Though, I mean, there is some value in the fact that uh, they still give us the sound bites when it uh, sounds like he has zero vocal cords. And he's it is, but after wasted. a while, I agree. But after a while, you're going to have trouble hearing what he has to say because he, he's yeah. such a high screeching, scratchy voice. You're going you're gonna to have the microphone can only catch so much there. Yeah, no doubt about that. And uh, with that, we've gone ahead and reached our halftime buzzer. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and come back with you for the second half. And we're back with our third quarter. And uh, it's time to talk about LeBron and uh, maybe about his future. And, of course, I, Will B, I know that you've seen 
his post-game comments following the loss in game four. Are you buying the idea that LeBron is actually hinting at retirement or you think this is maybe just a way that he's trying to control the narrative or potentially, you know, go ahead and put some more pressure on the Lakers to, to make some signings or the other option is of course, you know, let's just distract everybody from the fact that we just got swept. I think that situation the other night was a case. First of all, I'm sure after 20 seasons playing the more minutes, spending more time on the court than anybody in the history of this sport. After all that time, he's allowed to contemplate retirement. He's allowed to think about it. Now, how long he thinks about it, well, that remains to be seen. I think he was genuine in his uh, comments after the game. Personally, I, you know, I, don't, I don't think it was for show. I don't think it was a – I mean, it could have been, but I don't think it was a sh- uh, message to Laker front office saying, listen, you know, you better – I may retire, so you, you have to uh, pay attention to me. I, I don't think – I think it was in the moment getting swept in that spot, your season just came to an end after a really nice, impressive run by the Lakers. Let's let's not forget that we did not pencil them in for the conference finals when the certainly not when they started two and ten this year, and we did when the postseason began. So I think it was a case of he was just there. I think it was being reflective. He had every right to. I think it, he got criticized in some circles for making it about him when it should have been about the Nuggets and their victory, which I found to be really silly, uh, a silly I, yeah. you know, comment to criticize him for that. Uh, the Nuggets, LeBron James, we talk about here for a couple of minutes, the Nuggets are the story this point on. So LeBron had a few minutes there. At the end of the day, it's the Nuggets that are moving on, the Nuggets that are playing for a, a championship. I think – I don't think he's going to uh, call it quits. I think he'll be back. I think he'll be back with the Lakers. Uh, I think there's a lot to be positive about with this team. I know there's a lot of criticism on AD. We talked about it. I've been critical. Everybody's been critical for him because it's the one game on, one game off out of him. And, you know, he played a good in the fourth quarter at game four, but where were you the first three? Uh, LeBron is, is that kind of player, and you know it. He's no matter what he does, he's going to get criticized or he's going to get praised. There's going to be, there's, there's very few players in the history of this league that have been as uh, polarizing as LeBron James. It's just, it's just the way it is. I saw people criticize because he didn't have it in the fourth quarter against in game four. All he did was go for 40 and 14 and nine. He, had, yep. he nearly had a 40-point triple-double with his team on the brink of elimination. And everybody's criticizing, oh, he didn't get a shot off in the final minute, in the final possession. So, you know, he's not nearly as good as we want to make him out to be. I mean, give me a break. The guy yeah. played all but four seconds of that game. Now, was he tired by the fourth quarter? Probably. I Who wouldn't be if you played that long? Who, I mean, find me a player – at any age, I wouldn't be tired after playing in the playoffs. The anxiety over in that position uh, come the fourth quarter. So I think he, yeah, he's just one of those guys that no matter what he does, unless he disappears, which you haven't heard from in the last few days, and you probably aren't going to hear from him for the next few weeks, months, because he tends to disappear. Uh, I think he'll be back. He's allowed to reflect. He's allowed to think about, hey, he could retire. He's he certainly earned a right at this point. Uh, but he also, may, to your point, his comments certainly uh, uh, have to be a wake-up call to uh, L.A. front office. Yeah. And, and, you know, with LeBron, I mean, criticism comes with the territory. But if you follow LeBron, he's always taking great pride in his stats and his resume. So although he already did break the all-time scoring record this year, I think he still wants to build on those all-time stats. And then most importantly, of course, I think he'd like to win at least one more ring. He, you know, When you're bringing up the conversation, best of all time, greatest of all time, you got to have the rings in order to really stack up against the top of the top. And adding one more to the shelf uh, for him would be 
huge as far as that's concerned. And uh, the other factor, too, is, you know, he's always had the interest in playing uh, with his son, Bronny. And, you know, whether Bronny wants to play with his dad or not is is yet to be seen. I think the interesting part is, of course, this is more so LeBron's dream, not his son's dream. So, you know, and, until Bronny's asked about that, he might get questioned about that next year uh, playing for USC. But, you know, I think LeBron's certainly going to stick around so that his son at least has that choice and he can make that decision. You know, Dad, I, I want to play with you. Or, you know what, if you hang it up, it'd probably be best. I want to create my own journey all by myself. But, I mean, what I know about Bronny and kind of where his – you know, potential draft stock is as of now, I think he's going to need LeBron to stick around. I mean, that's no disrespect to the, the kid at all, but, you know, of course, LeBron being a potential second piece to the puzzle, as far as you, if you draft Bronny, you get LeBron for at least a year. That's only going to raise his draft stock and help his son get drafted higher, which not only benefits LeBron, but of course benefits his son about getting guaranteed first round money. More act, more marketing dollars. I mean, he's already got a ton of NIL money, right. but I mean, it's only going to help everything as far as promoting promoting the two of them. I mean, that's going to be unforeseen territory. We haven't seen that since uh, Ken Griffey and uh, Ken Griffey Jr. So right. um, that that would be a, a spectacle, and obviously, be a, just another uh, thing LeBron could put on his resume that nobody else really could. So. Um, I, I didn't take it too seriously. I think he definitely has the right, as you said, to go ahead and contemplate retirement or at least say, yeah, it's going to cross my mind. I'm going to think about it. But uh, I think there's no shot that he hangs it up right now. And, and, and last point here before I go let you uh, respond to this is the fact that LeBron James likes attention. You don't think he wants a farewell tour? No. He for sure wants a farewell tour. As, I would agree with that. I think he would – uh, absolutely like how would he like to go to the garden have the garden crowd uh chant his name or whatever go coming back yep. to cleveland one more time yeah absolutely uh i think that would uh absolutely factor in and i'll i'll tell you something else what would the conversation about his would it be any different if they never made the postseason this year they had to you know win the play-in game to get there if they got eliminated in the play-in instead of reaching the conference finals they were one series away from reaching the NBA Finals, which I'm sure was not, you know, I'm, I know that's what you play for. I know that's what you're thinking. But, you know, you don't, uh, with the way the season went, you couldn't have been at the beginning of the season thing, or beginning of the postseason thing, yep, we're going to the finals. And then you get one, right. four wins away from from reaching that, and it didn't work out. I would hope that would be a once you relax, once you take a breath and you think about things, you take a step back and, like we said, reflect on everything, rest a little bit. The the idea that we can get back to the final, we legitimately can get back to the finals with maybe a, a tweak here, a tweak there uh, in, on the roster would certainly have to energize him in terms of you know the idea of winning one more championship. If he, if if that's a, a, a big goal, like you mentioned, I'm sure it is. This season has to be a stepping stone towards that. Has yeah. in terms of you know being uh, energized about the idea of maybe winning one more title. Yeah, it definitely was some hope and some promise there uh, from the Lakers, and they got some younger guys that are really stepping up too. I mean, we got positive contributions from Hachimura, who they just got. Vanderbilt definitely had some some sp- strong spots. Uh, throughout the year of course the last series not so much but and then of course Austin Reeves too I mean now he's got another sidekick uh, that that's a good guard uh, that can help him out uh, with with the playmaking duties as well so uh, just give him some time I think King James will be back and uh, we'll get at least one more year to go ahead and appreciate him moving forward and uh, with that we'll be we're getting back to a fun one. Uh, the listeners love our NBA trading card uh, pack break. And so I got a, another pack of the Paolo Bonchero NBA hoops cards. We've got 15 Oh, I was going to guess the-, the first one. I had the first one. Darn it. I was going to guess that one on the cover, on the wrapper. Were there. you? I, I, no, I was just okay. too nice on it. I- All right. So we're going to crank them open here. It's not and, just uh, listeners that like this, by the way. It's it's the uh, it's our our uh, panel here. Yeah, hopefully we get an auto one of these days. It'd be nice if we got a jersey a, a jersey card or an auto. 
But first card is not one of those. Uh, we got first off Karis Levert. Oh, bucket guy. He's been he's a bucket. He's one of the. I think they had the Cavaliers. I believe had. Well, I know they had at least three players that went for fifty this year. Three different players. They might have been four, but Karis Levert was one of them. Uh, definitely a guy who can put the ball in the basket. He did it with Brooklyn. He he can do it. Uh, he's been doing it with Cleveland. Uh, you know, they need a little more out of him than they got at, when it's all said and done. But yeah, he can he can put the ball in the basket with the best of them. And with him he's and certain. Garland and you know things like that, they're you know they they definitely um, he's a big part. I think he's a big part of you know their future going forward. Yep. And since I'm the host of the show here, I get to make the rules. I'm actually going to make you go back-to-back because I think you're going to do a better job uh, with this next guy. Miles McBride. Deuce. WVU. (laughs) Nice nice job there. As you can see, the flying WV in the background there in the dark for me. Uh, He's one of the – from a college standpoint, he's one of the greats ever play at WVU. He was that good for two years. He's got to improve his shooting. He gets he get he's a really good defender, and they put him in spots during the playoffs and during the regular season. He got some run. He had some moments, but his uh, his biggest thing is he's got to improve his shooting. If he can do that, just like Javon Carter, another WVU guy uh, with Milwaukee, if these guys he improved his shooting, and consequently with his defense, he saw the, he saw more time on the court this year than he ever has, and I think the case the Case is the same for Miles McBride. If he wants to stay in this league and not just be a uh, backup journeyman or whatever, he's got to improve his shooting because he can do everything else. He can handle the ball. He can absolutely play defense. And he just needs to uh, he needs to improve his perimeter shooting, which is always the bugaboo uh, when you're dealing with this league. You have to shoot. Yep. All right, next card. I'll go here. Tyrese Halliburton. Building block, one of the best young guys you could build a team around. Still kind of slept on amongst the league. Certainly not in fantasy. He's a top 10 fantasy player. Uh, obviously, I think he's going to have another uh, big year next year with some more gains to his game, uh, adding to the stats, being a little bit more consistent, and continuing to build that Pacers group up to be very competitive in the Central Division. And uh, one side note, I did see today that he is going to be one of the honorees at the Indy 500 and also saw a video of him on Twitter uh, with one of the the race car drivers. And he was actually driving the car at one point at 145 on the racetrack. So uh, not sure how the (laughs) Pacers brass feels about that, but stay safe out there, Tyrese, please. Yeah. I mean, we all Uh, want to see you play. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) I think the fact he got hurt, in the uh, during the season, really took some of that luster off his spectacular season. I agree with it. He had a great season, all star season. Uh, he just, I think, the injury and then the Pacers, you know, turned out not to have a very good season. Uh, really hurt his chances of, of becoming an All NBA player or, or in that category. Uh, but he's absolutely, I agree with you, a, a building block and a tremendous uh, young player too. So. The future is, uh, you would think, would be certainly bright for for him. Yep. All right, World B, I'm really looking forward to what you have to say on this guy. Kyrie Irving. Oof. I I took a big, uh, I get the big uh, turd sandwich for suggesting that the Kyrie trade to the Mav would work out. I was the one in our group, you know, Bruce, who... Yeah. Uh, couldn't be here uh, this week, and you were both against it, and I was a big proponent. Uh, nobody's ever questioned his ability to score. Nobody's ever questioned his ability to handle the ball. Uh, he's one of the greats still in in that. He is going to be the probably the biggest offseason uh, name in terms of where he's going to wind up. Uh I don't know where he's going to wind up. You hear him talking with the Lakers. You hear him returning to the Mavericks. Uh, Kyrie is definitely in his own world. So anybody who thinks they know where he's going to go really is uh, – they're kidding themselves because nobody knows where the heck he's going. 
Uh, one of the great players in this league on the court, one of the big knuckleheads off it. That's just how it is. Yep. And Kyrie was on uh, Instagram Live earlier this week, and he did go ahead and state that uh, no one knows where he's going. Only he does because he's his own agent. And uh, I wanted to say in response to that, well, we know that. You make your own decisions and really don't care about what others think. So we, well, we know that I, you're your own agent and make your own choices. <laughs> well, if Gilbert Arenas is agent zero, Kyrie Irving's probably agent sub-zero. <laughs> well done. I like that one. All right. I'll take the next one. The San Antonio Spurs player, maybe a uh, new teammate of Victor Wembanyama, Joe Wieskamp. I don't know much about this guy. I know that he spent some time with the Toronto Raptors um, and uh, obviously a summer league guy uh, that's had some bright spots. Just know he can shoot the basketball. I know he was a good college shooter, um, showed some signs in the summer league that he could shoot and uh, gets out there in garbage time and, you know, puts up some trays and sometimes has some good success. So uh, we'll keep it moving here to the next guy. And I think you're going to like your pick here will be KCP. I'm sorry, who is that? Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Oh, KCP. KCP. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he turned it out to have a really good uh, career. And, you he know, has, his yeah. – uh, it really has. I mean, he's a key member of the uh, of the Nuggets and their drive to uh, the NBA Finals. I mean, somebody want to tell me the Lakers wouldn't like to have him back? At this point, I think that's a big, uh, sure. big yes. And, you know, he's a, a solid player. He's been a good shooter wherever he's been. And he's been a, a valuable part of, of their uh, their success. Put it this way, when he shoots the ball well, Denver is really hard to beat. I mean, just yep. he, when he can shoot it, uh, he, he they're hard to beat. And he's going to be one of those uh, players that's going to either – Solid defender, too. One of the few you can say that on Denver. And yeah. he's going to have to, uh, you yeah, know, they're going to need him in this, you know, in the finals, whoever they go up against. But, you know, with a career high this year for, you know, 42% from three you know, during the season. So if he can do that again, continue that in the finals with uh, helping out Joker, yeah, they got, they're going to look good for making, winning the whole thing. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more there with your assessment on KCP. Speaking of the playoffs and people we've talked about tonight, Anthony Davis, the brow. Of course, uh, Anthony Davis, one of the best shot blockers in the league, um, put up some tremendous numbers in the block category throughout the playoffs. Um, at one point in time, I thought Anthony Davis would become the best player in the NBA. Those days have certainly passed due to some injuries, uh, but uh Obviously, one of the elite talents we have in the game today. Obviously, a big reason that the uh, Lakers were able to turn their season around. When he was healthy, they were ready to go and, and could compete with anybody, as we saw throughout uh, the playoffs and the play-in. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy because the game is much better to watch when Anthony Davis is 100%. I mean, he just makes every game that he's involved in that much more exciting, and uh, I know that you're happy, too, that he's uh, elected not to shoot as many threes and is starting to kind of get down low and be around the basket for uh, not just easier buckets, but obviously more offensive rebound opportunities, which he has taken advantage of those as well. Next one for you will be Christian Wood. Boy, has he been traded yet since we started this show? Because – he is the most tradable guy every year somewhere. He he gets traded. He's the guy that gets you know, put in every trade, and yep. which is really hard to figure. He's got ridiculously impressive offensive numbers for a guy who you know gets traded all the time. It's uh, it's hard to fathom how somebody who can be you know as good as as Christian Woods numbers are. I mean, this year alone, 16.6 points a game, seven rebounds. He shot 50, 52% from the field, 38% from three. I mean, that that's a, you know, be honest, that's a down year for him. I mean, yeah. he's had years 
you know, he's had years where he's gone 20 and almost 10. And he's a solid three-point guy. He just he just somehow ends up with a different team every year. He's been with Philadelphia, Charlotte, Milwaukee, the Pelicans, the Pistons. The Pistons where he made his uh, – uh, he had a good run with the Pelicans for one season, but he got noticed with the Pistons. And he had some really good year, a couple good years with the Rockets and last year with the Mavericks. So – I would imagine he'll uh, – that may have been the last year we'll see him with the Mavericks because that's just how his career goes. <laughs> he goes somewhere. Yep. Yep. Just as the card was, he's in a Rockets uniform and uh, the logo is Dallas, so pretty fitting there for the trading card <laughs> itself. As as for the next one here, Trey Young, um, all I've got to say about Trey Young is uh, very interested to see what happens with him this offseason. Also was uh, – very intrigued to see that he was at two of the Lakers' home games, as there are some rumors swirling now. Could he be headed to the Lakers? Could they make a trade to try to get Trey Young to join LeBron James in L.A.? I, I definitely wouldn't count it out. And, uh, I, I, you know, just something to keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, the fact that he was at two of the home games just kind of adds to the speculation a little bit there. So, uh it's going to be a very interesting offseason for Trey Young. Don't think I need to talk about him as a talent much. Obviously, big assist numbers. Uh, for the most part, a good shooter. Had a bad you know, down year shooting the basketball. But overall, this, great shooter. This great is a shooter. bad year. This yeah. is a bad year for him shooting-wise. From a shooting standpoint, you're absolutely right. He, was one, he wasn't just a bad shooter. He was one of the worst three-point yep. shooters. It's just how and, it is. Uh, <laughs> And for our next card here, will be you can go ahead and send me the thank you card in the mail. I'll take it. It is a rookie card of Kennedy Chandler of the Memphis Grizzlies. I believe Kennedy played at Tennessee. Uh, was a guy to was projected to go late in the first round. I believe he dropped to the second round. Became like a value pick. Thing with him is he's only like five eleven, so he's very small. Kind of reminds me of. Tyler Eulis, if you guys remember him when he was drafted by the Phoenix Suns, yeah. played for the University of Kentucky. Not sure. I think his size is definitely going to hurt him in the NBA, but, uh, you know, wish him the best of luck and certainly a guy we should see this year in Las Vegas for Summer League. So we'll have to and keep nothing an else. He got, he got a card of him. Yeah, and exactly. Else, he got yeah. A card. He's got a card. All right. You're up, World B. Jordan Clarkson. Boy, there was a guy who used to be one of the best uh, six men in the league, one of the top scorers. He had a much better uh, season this season than he uh, had the previous uh, couple of seasons. He hadn't shot the ball very well. But uh, he ended up in Utah this year, and he ended up uh, you know, really having a, a decent season, about 21 a game. Uh, shot the ball uh, much much better than he had been. It wasn't you know, wasn't great by any stretch. Thirty-four percent from three isn't great, but that was way up from thirty-two the previous season with Utah. And you know, he's been at a top. You know, he said top six man before, and this is the first time in since his Laker days that he got to start. And he did yeah. a good job. Like I said, twenty-one points a game on a surprising Utah team. So he he had a good a good bounce back season after a few. Uh, not not really good shooting seasons, and you know, uh, I'm glad he got to you know become a, a prime starter again. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, next season he's one of those guys that's uh, part of some trade package at the deadline to try and get scoring help or something like that. Yep. All right, I'm curious to see what you think of this rookie, Andrew Nimhard of the Indiana Pacers, the Gonzaga. Well, that was that wasn't that our our guy Bruce's. Uh, Main yeah, guy with the he liked him. Uh, he, yeah. liked him. He, uh, he had a good run. Um, it was not a uh, you know, he he had some good moments for them, and he almost averaged about 10 a game. And I'm trying, yeah, almost averaged about 10 a game over there. You're cheating, I can tell. You're looking up. Averages. I try to, I gotta figure something out about, about him. <laughs> I, I can't even pronounce his name, but yeah, you know, I, I, uh, that's not true. It's Andrew. I got it. Um, yeah, but he, yeah, he had a, he had some good moments for them, and we'll see how it goes going forward next year. But for a rookie, 
he wasn't, you know, he's obviously not a superstar, not an all uh, rookie selection, but he, he had a good, a good first season, I think by any, anyone's expectations. Yeah. He really stepped up in uh, Tyrese Halliburton's absence uh, throughout the season, yeah. put up some big scoring numbers for a couple nights. I think it was their West coast trip. He really balled out too. I uh, have to go back and check on that, but I know that he had a few games where he went for like 25 plus. All right, next one I got Greg Brown, the third of the Portland Trailblazers. What I can tell you about this guy, ultra athletic, a highlight reel. He put it in between his legs for a dunk in game this season. Uh, just a guy that comes off the bench with energy, uh, likes to block shots, but if you give him a good pump fake, you can blow right past him. He's always quick to get off his feet and uh, looking for his next lob or dunk opportunity. But, boy, is he fun to watch late in those fourth quarters when they give him some uh, time to run out there on the floor. Next guy we have here for you, World B, is one you're going to like, De'Aaron Fox. Oh, he was one of our favorites here at 48 Minutes. He was he became everybody's yep. favorite. Uh, had a breakthrough season this year. Uh, fourth quarter Fox. He was absolutely fantastic. He was the biggest uh, reason why the uh, Kings, you know, had a season that they hadn't had in about twenty years. I mean, he was that that good, and he was uh, his uh, performance against the Warriors in that series was absolutely impressive. We were so impressed by how he played, and you know, they came up short against the Warriors, but it really wasn't any fault of his. He hurt himself, uh, broke his hand during that series yep. and still played and played well. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's a bona fide uh, all-star and he is on the cusp, I think of superstar status. He's just about there. He, and certainly he is uh, elevated himself into a all-star status in this league. Most certainly. And I'll take the last one here. It's Oklahoma city draft project. Usman Dieng, another rookie card here. This guy didn't play ones. much this year. I get all the easy ones. <laughs> you get all the this easy guy didn't ones. play much at all this year, but obviously was a lottery ticket as far as hoping to strike gold with development. He's got some good size, uh, needs to add some strength, and then, of course, uh, hopefully he can be part of that young nucleus moving forward. But Kind of remains a mystery man for now. Didn't get to see much of him. Didn't hear much news on him throughout the year. Um, so definitely a guy to keep an eye on again at Summer League this year. Those are the type of guys that I always like to uh, pinpoint out on the floor and kind of monitor uh, their play throughout the summer. And uh, that is tonight's edition of our NBA trading pack break. And uh, hopefully the fans enjoyed that as much as we did here tonight, World B. And uh with that, I'll let you go ahead and get us started with our final thought. Oh, thank you, man. One of the worst parts about the offseason when your team is no longer a championship contender is the inevitable trade machine ideas from fans. While it <laughs> used to be a difficult listen on sports radio, thanks to social media, it has become an unbearable part of the offseason. Just this week, for example, I came across a trade idea from a Knicks fan in which a Knicks could trade for Giannis only one of the three best players on the planet. And it wouldn't have to give up either of its two best players, Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle. As if the Bucks really wanted a shooting guard that can shoot <laughs> like R.J. Barrett. So far, every player of significance on the Knicks roster, with the exception of Brunson, has been mentioned in trade ideas from Knicks fans on social media. The ordeal has become as hard on the eyes to read as mock drafts. Okay. Well, I, I'll be the first to admit I'm the one that likes to play around on the NBA trade machine. And uh, I'll be sure to give you my mock draft just to add to your list of the ones you don't like uh, right before the draft. And that kind of leads me into my final thought here as I uh, kind of wanted to provide an update on my draft prep. I'm still diving deep into prospects that are projected in the first round, but overall so far I'm left uncomfortably unimpressed at first glance. So much, so much so that I had to check myself here. So I reached out to a front office executive and uh, wanted to see whether or not I was crazy, uh, kind of seeing if this draft was super top heavy or not. And uh, 
They said that that they, I wasn't incorrect here. This is a super top-heavy draft, and of course, Wemby being leaps and bounds uh, better than the rest of the class, it makes it seem really even worse than it may appear. But uh, the executive went on to tell me that uh, you can find similar talent in the early 20s as you can in the pick six through 10. So that should be interesting to keep an eye on whether or not uh, that holds true. But uh, they summed up this draft class uh, as lots of good fifth or fifth to seventh uh, man guys on a roster for a good team. So a lot of solid role players that could be around there, but you know, those are the type of guys I'm always looking for. I know obviously other teams are looking for like a Jared Vanderbilt type guy is a perfect example of a guy that can be a difference maker. Rui Hachimura, I know he was a, one of the top picks, but certainly has turned into a guy that'd be considered a fifth through seventh guy on a roster. And those guys can pay big dividends uh, and, and big moments. So the two players I like so far that have gained my attention is Villanova wing Cam Whitmore. He's currently projected anywhere from 6 to 14. And I also like Gigi Jackson, another wing out of South Carolina, who's projected to be drafted anywhere from 16 to maybe even 30. So two guys to keep an eye on here early, both athletic, versatile forwards with a ton of potential. And so far, uh, one of my two favorites that I've seen. But with that said, I'll have much more to come in the near future for all of you here on the 48 Minutes Podcast. But for now, that will do it for this edition of the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, presented by Bet Online. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back with you on Tuesday to be sure you're up to date on 48, on all things around the association. And we hope you have a safe, fun, and enjoyable Memorial Day weekend. Take care, everybody.